Welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Jess Barcenas. Good morning. So good to see nearly every seat filled in this room today, which is amazing. So if you're sitting next to an empty seat, that's you. Just have a look at it. Have a think about the person that should be sitting there next to you. I just want to leave you with that before I start. Um, it has been an incredibly interesting, dare I say, roller coaster of a of a time recently. Um, hearing Lynn get up here and, and be able to even thank people was pretty incredible. But Lynn, we're with you. We love you. I don't know you as long as as deeply and as long as, as some of our other people here in this in this church, but Alex and I, we love you and we will do whatever we can to help you through the next however long. And I know that the rest of us are share that sentiment. So it's a difficult time. It's a difficult time. And uh, on a completely different note, I was nearly going to come forward when Max was introducing me straight forward and then do a big awkward leap onto the stage. Some of you are probably noticing our stage looks a little bit different. Thank goodness I didn't do that and I thought about it and thought before I walked... I will try to think before I speak this morning as well, but I have prepared some notes. But can I read you some, some random facts? Is that okay? Yeah. Before I get into my message today? Help me, Jesus. So for those of you who know the brand Spring Valley, they make juice, and I believe they make concentrated juice, so maybe not the best option. But back, I don't know, before I knew Alex, they used to make, uh, they might still, but they sell, you know, the kind of one-serve glass bottles of juice. And inside the lid, you'd open up the lid and there'd be called what was called a little fact. So not little, little. I love puns, I love plays on words. And then there was a fact. It was just, honestly, that would make my day whenever I bought one of those juices on the way to uni or something like that. So I'm, I googled, you can still look up a list of Spring Valley's little facts. And I don't think they do put them in the bottle anymore, but I could be wrong. I'm going to read you some random ones. Is that okay? All right. Mosquitoes are attached to people who have recently eaten bananas. Wow. Now, the little fact doesn't explain why. There must be something in the banana, but there you go. If you don't want to be bitten, don't eat bananas. Cats have over 100 vocal cords. So that's why those neighborhood cats in the middle of the night screeching at each other and my, bo- my brain goes, oh my goodness, one of my kids is awake. And it's not, it's the cats down the road screeching. Over 100 vocal cords, amazing. Children grow faster in the spring. Did your kids have a growth spurt recently? It might be explaining why. I don't know why that happens. Um, there was one here that I loved. Oh, a duck's quack doesn't echo. And straight away I'm thinking, how do I test that out? I want to know that that's true for sure. I'll do a couple more. 
Fish cough. This has become animal facts. <laughs> Let's do one that's not animals. Here we go. Oh, I like this one. I actually just put on some lipstick earlier. The average woman consumes 1.4 kilograms of lipstick in her lifetime. I don't know if consumes means uses or accidentally consumes. That's a worry if it's going down. What on earth am I up here telling you? <laughs> Random facts that you probably actually will walk away remembering these more than you will remember my sermon today. I want to talk about someone who knows all the random facts, all the important facts, the beginning and the end, God. And I want to tell you about uh, one of his characteristics, if you've heard of a word called omniscient or omniscience, it means all-knowing, and it's one of the four omnis of, of God, of the triune God. So um, without going too deep into the word, but it's, it's true Latin words, omni meaning all, science or scientia meaning knowledge, all-knowing. And, um, and so the Bible itself does, doesn't use that word. If you, if you look up trying to find omniscient, God's omniscience in, in the Bible, you won't find that word, but it was a word used to describe the fact that all through the Old and New Testament, there was many examples and many implications and many direct passages that talk about God being all-knowing. And so when, dis when God is described in this way, it means he has perfect knowledge. Not knowledge where we have to question it. Are you sure a duck doesn't, duck's quack doesn't echo? Perfect knowledge. If God says something, if God... Uh, declares something in your life, if he says something in his word, it is fact, it is true, and it stands against anything else that might try and conflict with it. And you know, with God, there's nothing new left for him to discover. How amazing is that? That kind of blows my mind because we spend our earthly life either learning stuff or avoiding learning stuff or trying to remember the stuff that we will learning and that we're meant to remember and hopefully we're learning the stuff that is true and is applicable to our lives. Some of the school kids and the high school kids and the uni kids and maybe educators in this place are worried that we are, am I learning anything that's actually got anything to do with the rest of my life? But God's knowledge is perfect. There is nothing new for left, left for him to discover. He also has a perfect memory. He is the expert historian. There is no event, place, person, time frame, era, or detail in all of those that he hasn't known and that he won't know in the future. And yes, he does know the future. My message this morning, I don't want to go into... Uh, whether God predestines things, whether knowing the future means controlling and directing the future. It's not what my message is about today. But I know that his knowledge is absolute. It's always precise. It's infinite beyond our ability to measure. I want to read you some passages today. In Isaiah chapter 46, 9 to 10, it says, Remember the former things, those of long ago. I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning, from ancient times what is still to come. And you know, the Psalms are filled with accounts of God's limitless knowledge. 
Psalm 147, verse 4 to 5. He determines the number of stars and calls them each by name. Great is our Lord and mighty in power. His understanding has no limit. So the big concept of an all-knowing creator is brought into light in Psalm 139. Hands up if you've read that psalm or you know about uh, maybe some of the verses in that psalm or maybe... Sometime last year, you heard our kids singing a song about being fearfully and wonderfully made up on this stage. That's inside Psalm 139. A show of hands of who knows the psalm that I'm talking about, and it's okay today if you don't. Awesome. So out of all of God's knowledge, he never stops knowing us. You know, that psalm, David wrote that psalm, David wrote many of the psalms, but that psalm really reflects that God's knowledge is more than just knowing stuff and knowing facts and being a great historian. That psalm directly shows us that his knowledge is actually about us, first and foremost. He knows us deeply. He knows us before we were made. He knows you better than you know yourself. His knowledge is deep, personal, intimate, and points towards his mercy and his kindness. He knows all of your sins, and yet he still reaches out to help, to protect, to boast of his creation. Do you know that he boasts of you? Whether you think you deserve it or not, he does. You were made in his image, and he boasts of you. He is very proud of what he made. And so my first point this morning of an all-knowing, omniscient God is that he knows. He knows and he knows you. And so I'm speaking today to those who are feeling unknown, disconnected. I want you to know today that the almighty God, the all-powerful God, the all-present God, he knows you. My second point today is that an all-knowing God means that he's also an all-seeing God. He sees all things at all times. In Proverbs 15, verse 3, it says, The eyes of the Lord are everywhere, keeping watch on the wicked and the good. You know, if I left you with that, that's true. But you might be feeling, okay, God is like big brother in the sky watching me waiting for me to make a mistake and then maybe putting a little red dot on my name. No. (laughs) That verse is true, but thank goodness the character and the nature and the, the, the mercy and the beauty of our God who sees all things means much more than just watching. I want to tell you about a story in John. And in fact, if you want to go there, that might be a good idea. Um, In the book of John in the New Testament, in chapter 1, we're going to uh, straight through to verses 46, and I'm going to read to verse 50. It's the story of a guy called Nathaniel, and Nathaniel essentially was uh, a Jewish man, and and he knew the scriptures, he was studying them, and and, uh, he had quite actually a deep passion for the things of the word. Um, But he didn't yet know the Messiah. And Nathaniel was actually a skeptic. 
And so he'd heard the other disciples and the people in town talking about this Jesus. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. He's here. Nathaniel was a skeptic. He hadn't met the Lord yet. And in verse 46, so John chapter 1, verse 46. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathaniel. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Of course, what he's talking about is Jesus grew up in the, in the land of Nazareth. Well, come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now where now sorry, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. So he's referring to Nathaniel. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. And Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. And Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I had seen you under the fig tree? Well, you will see greater things than this. And many scholars believe that that, that statement there that Jesus says was almost, almost like... <sighs> Uh, not sarcastic, but almost like um, that nature of, oh, you'll see much greater things than this. And so what I think is so amazing is that Jesus didn't actually see Nathaniel under that fig tree. He wasn't there at the same, he wasn't physically there at the same time. But what he was revealing was that he's divine and he's, he's seeing all things including Nathaniel, without being there. Nathaniel, in that moment, from that one statement, learnt who God is because he was seen and known. Nathaniel realising that little old me, in all my times under the fig tree, most probably praying and searching the scriptures, fig trees signify peaceful places and uh, there's a whole whole other um, train of thought we can go down with that. But this, the fig tree is significant. And so Nathaniel realised in that one moment with the Lord, that one statement that Jesus decided to say to him that he was seen and known. And then he realised he'd met the Messiah. Nathaniel learnt who God is. And he went from sceptic to believer. You might resonate with that today. God is ready to reveal so much of who he is to move you closer to him. Even if you call yourself a believer in this place. He's not done yet. I want to give you another example. In the Old Testament, in Genesis, uh, there's a woman called Hagar... Many of you will know about Hagar, know about the story about Abram and Sarai, of course, before they became Abraham and Sarah. And uh, basically, in Genesis chapter 16, we read about Hagar's troubles. She was a poor servant girl, basically nothing, nothing to others. She was used to produce a child on behalf of Sarai. So Sarah at that point was infertile and couldn't have a baby. And, uh, and so they, Abraham and Sarah tried to find other options. So Hagar was used, mistreated. She fled the land, single and pregnant, in risk of being taken captive or mistreated. She was trying to get back to her homeland. So you can, you're getting a picture here of how much she's going through and how much unknown there is for the rest of her life. 
It wouldn't have been an easy or a safe journey, nor was there any guarantee that any of those decisions she was making was going to make her life any easier anyway. Her future was uncertain and her past was full of pain. I know people today, friends today, who could say that same statement about themselves. My future is uncertain and my past is full of pain. It's in this context we read in verse 7. So this is Genesis chapter 16, verse 7. Now the angel of the Lord found her. The angel tells her what to do, gives her instruction, promises her that he will multiply her descendants through the child that she's carrying. It's after this encounter that Hagar gives a new name to the Lord. I actually didn't know this before looking this up. Well, I I knew it, but I didn't know it. I'd read it before. Alroy, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. R-O-I, I'm saying Roy. Alroy, which means the God who sees. The God who sees. So that was first used in that chapter. After that experience of Hagar, she said, Alroy, the God who sees. God didn't just see Hagar where she'd stopped for a rest. He went looking for her and found her and sent the angel of the Lord to her. He saw her afflictions and pain and he came with mercy and an invitation to submit to him. Hagar ran from Sarai, but she could not run from the Lord. He saw her. So this morning I want to speak to those who feel unseen. God sees you. He's always seen you and you can't hide. Understanding the sensitivity of of the time that we're in right now in our church family, I know that knowing that an almighty God who has unlimitless mercy knowing that he sees you. I pray today that that will bring you and bring us collectively great comfort and rest. Thank you, Jesus. He sees. My third point this morning is in his all-knowing in his, in his omniscience. He doesn't just know, he understands. He doesn't just accumulate knowledge. He knows how to apply it. Have you ever met someone who's really great, great at acquiring knowledge but not great at applying that knowledge? That's not God. <laughs> God can help those people. God is so beautiful in his knowledge. He came down to us and sent his only son so that we could never accuse him of not being understanding. He knows what we're going through. He went through way more than what most of us here today have or ever will go through. 
And that's not to dismiss some of the trials and tribulations that some of us have and may still go through. Jesus understands hardships, pain, betrayal, grief and sorrow. In Matthew 6 verse 8, Jesus himself even said of our problems that we may face as believers. He said, your father knows. He makes many, many points of, of, of confirming with us and affirming us that he knows us, he sees us. He won't leave us alone in that place. And it's, and it's in these sermons and, and, and in, in these conversations that people will say, well, why does he let it happen? Being all-knowing doesn't mean that free will wasn't important to him. Giving his children free will to decide whether we would go along with him, submit to him, do this with him or without him. That was so important to him in his character of being all-knowing that he didn't want to be a puppet master. And thank God for that. Thank God for that. I don't understand why some things happen. And you know, the older I get, I'm not saying I'm old yet, but the older I do get, the less I understand sometimes about why some things happen to some people. But what I find great comfort in is God knows. He knows exactly what I'm going through and he knows exactly what he needs to do to bring me comfort. There's nothing in your past, your present, your future that the Almighty Lord doesn't understand. The Bible says in First Chronicles that the Lord searches every heart and understands your every motive. That's probably a bit scary sometimes. He understands our heart, our needs, our hopes and our desires. It's not just the hard stuff that he gets and he's with you with. He actually knows what you're dreaming of, what you're hoping of. You know how he knows? He put it there. He knows it. He knows the blueprint. Will you trust him? As I was preparing this sermon during the week, and like I said, it's been an interesting, difficult week. And that's for me, and I know many have gone through far deeper lows than me this week, in the last couple of weeks. But I was actually finding great peace and comfort in just preparing this sermon. God's so beautiful in that when you have a job to do, he doesn't leave you out of the picture. So we can rest and lean on the security of his knowledge. We don't have to seek knowledge. We need to seek him. If there's one thing that you remember out of all that I've said, please don't let it be the, the facts at the start. <laughs> you can Google that if you want to read the other 200. Remember this, you do not have to seek knowledge. Seek him. He carries all the knowledge. That's great if you want to learn. Don't not learn. But seek him first and trust him that he is working all things together for the good of those who love him. Do you love him? He's not working all things together for the good of every single person. It says he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. Will you seek him? Will you trust him? Will you love him? He's got the rest. He's really got the rest. So 
So I just want to... I want to call out again those who I'm talking to this morning. If you're feeling isolated, alone, disconnected, not where you thought you'd be, God knows you. In fact, let's all close our eyes just in this moment. God knows you. Yes, he knows the hairs on your head. He knows your unique fingerprint. He knows the great plan he has for your life. He knows what feelings this is prompting right now. He knows you. With every eye still closed in this place, if you're feeling overlooked, abandoned, feeling like you have to put on a front sometime, like you've been wearing a facade for so long that you don't even know if people really know who you are anymore, he sees you. He sees you and he's delighted in what he sees. He will look for you and search you out until you realise that he, he always saw you. He will find you exactly where you are. And he will reach down. And he won't remind you of all the mistakes that you made, all the motives that maybe weren't right. But he will show himself to you and he will offer you mercy and he will want you to follow him. Will you follow him? Will you hold his hand? Will you let him put a mirror up in front of you and show, let him show you what he sees? He sees you today. And while we remain in this place, the last group of people I want to speak about are those who are feeling misunderstood downhearted, misrepresented, flat, not sure what to do next, not sure if any of this is worth continuing. He understands. He understands you. And he knows what he needs to do to bring you out of that place. This isn't part of my notes, but I feel a very strong sense to, to just say that that place isn't of God. It isn't of him. And he understands it, but he has no intention of leaving you there, of leaving you misunderstood, downhearted, flat. And I certainly don't want to give you three steps on how to be a disciple of Jesus and how to remain flat, depressed, holding on for dear life. 
It's not of God, but he understands you and he's ready to rip you right out of that place. Thank you, Lord. And put you back together again. You can open your eyes. We are going to come around a time of communion together this morning. And um, it's really interesting that we don't do communion here weekly, um, but, you know, it's landed on that I'm sharing around communion on the Sunday that I happen to be preaching this message And I just want to let you know that I had a really cool conversation with one of uh, a kid from one of our um, very dear beloved families who do so much in the life of our church. And I haven't got to share this with 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 them yet. I'm literally wiping a dead fly off my finger. If you're wondering what I'm doing, it's like slimy. (laughs) Thank you. I was really going to say, has anyone got a baby wipe? Baby wipes do all things. Anyway, back on track. Um, it was one or two Sundays ago and I was upstairs in, uh, with our kids in our kids program. And uh, one of our kids, um, it was actually Justice, um, Mick and Jada's son Justice. And we were talking about um, Jesus and Jesus' sacrifice and dying on the cross. And me and Justice, kind of like, apart from the rest of the group, we were still within the group that in the room, and, and uh, Justice was saying to me, like, isn't it weird how, like, Jesus was born to die? And I thought that was so cool. And he was kind of like, yes, wouldn't that be weird, like, if you knew that you were born to die? I was like, yeah, it blows my mind too. That's the thing. God knew there was only one way to reconcile us back to him. He knew that. Jesus did know that he was ultimately born to die. Of course, he did amazing ministry, many miracles. And the time that he was on earth... And all the records of what he did is incredibly important and part of it. But ultimately, he was born and came to earth to die. To die for you and I. His knowledge is always found packaged with love. Undeserving mercy and grace. And his knowledge always has a purpose. And that purpose is relationship. Real relationship. If he knows you under your facade, I would recommend leave it off. Leave it off. 
So this morning, I want to invite you to just come right up here. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.